Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And this week on the Screen Verdict Podcast, we're going to be reviewing... AMC's The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's TV season. We've got a few TV series reviews coming up. One of them, The Walking Dead. We have reviewed it before. We've done a season one and two review. Yep. So this is going to be a spoiler podcast. We're going to be talking about what goes down in season three. Mm. So if you haven't watched the show, you can listen to our first podcast. We have a spoiler-free segment. Yep. This is for people up to date with Mm. The Walking Dead. Yes, which is up to the first eight episodes of season three. Because they're doing the sneaky and they're having, like, a couple months off. Yeah, they can't afford to make 16 episodes. They need a couple months to scrape together the cash to make (laughs) the last eight. Yeah. So let's start with the start of the season. Mm. We have a group of people, a group of survivors, um, trudging along. And they, uh, last season they were in a farm. Things went down at the end of the season at the farm. Not safe anymore. They've sort of been travelling a bit, looking for somewhere. And they come across this season a prison. Yeah, at the start of the first episode, the group's talking about, oh, this way is bad, or where should we go? I was like, what do you mean? Where do you... Just go to the prison. They showed you the prison at the end of season two. Why are we having this discussion? It's because we saw the prison because they did a wide, like, camera angle, like, <laughs> crane shot up, but, like, they, didn't, they, they can't see above the trees. Yeah. Well, they waste five minutes of the first episode yeah. before they get to the prison. Yeah. And it's been overrun by walkers. Classic. (laughs) Typical. (laughs) Well, those walkers. But they decide if they can get in and clear clear them out, it's going to be a pretty good place to stay. Prison's a pretty secure place. Yeah. They're designed to keep people in somewhere. Maybe you can flip it on its head and you can use it to keep walkers out. (laughs) So with some super accurate shooting, they're able to clear this pretty easily. Yeah. I love how much of a dead-eye crack shot everyone is now. Yeah. Rick will be just about to be more from behind, and then someone will just shoot the yeah. walker in the head from, like, 50 metres away. Like, if I was... I would not be confident that I just wouldn't hit Rick well, in that you, situation. Well, John... Well, look at Skyfall. Yeah. Look what happens yeah. in Skyfall. <laughs> She's an MI6 agent. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, you... The, the girl from Skyfall and yourself, Jonathan, have not been to Herschel's farm training camp (laughs) shooting training with Herschel. Sure, that's a much better qualification than the firearms training at MI6. Yes. Yeah, he knows that. That's why we spent like five episodes of them shooting cans on Herschel's farm. (laughs) So they're pretty successful with this. They get inside. They decide to clear out a cell block. Mm. Perhaps not the nicest beds in the world, but they've got some beds to sleep on. Yes, some bunks. But in doing this, clearing out the prison, Herschel gets bit. Oh, no. Someone's got to get bit first episode. Yeah. He gets bitten on the leg, but Rick has the quick idea to cut off his leg. So he grabs an axe and chops it off. That was pretty brutal. That was a pretty good scene. Yeah, I thought that was amazing. I really like that. That was pretty interesting. You think, oh, is he quick enough? Will he stop the virus traveling into his system? Um, And it seems like he has. But while doing this, they turn... And see, not walkers, but inmates. Mm. They're not alone in the prison. Yeah. Would this concern you? Well, something that's interesting about zombie shows is not only do you have to be afraid of the zombies, but 
can you trust other people in this world? Because you can either team up and help each other survive, or these people might just kill you and take your supplies. Mm. Now, this applies to anyone in this world. Inmates, perhaps you're even more suspicious of because they did bad stuff in the normal world, before the zombie apocalypse. Mm, and you don't know, it looks like a pretty sweet prison. Like, it looks fairly high security-ish. Could be murderers or rapists or... Yeah, they're pretty much the two bad things. Like, uh, <laughs> robbers. <laughs> <laughs> Is that even a thing anymore? What <laughs> What happened to the guy in all black with the ski mask or going to people's chimneys? And steal yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that a profession that's gone out of out of business? Well, we had the town. The town, it seems like they're robbers, oh, but uh, bank robbers. That's yeah. that's your top end. Yeah, top end robbers. But one of them in particular looks particularly dangerous. I can't remember his name. Pretty greasy, longish sort of hair dude. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the nemesis for the season. Like, him yeah. and Rick would be constantly butting heads and the maybe new trying Shane? to over. The new Shane, perhaps? Yeah, a yeah. little bit. But he gets an axe to the head, <laughs> like, what was it, the end of episode two? While trying to clear out some walkers, he tries to get Rick killed. Yeah, like, he claims there was momentum or something, but uh, he pretty much pushed a uh, pushed a walker right onto Rick. <laughs> pretty much. Was, I thought it was pretty funny when I was watching the scene. This guy, who they can't... They've been saying they can't really trust. He just grabs a walker and pushes him onto Rick. <laughs> I think that is the... Surely the one of the douchiest things you can do in a zombie fight, just push a zombie onto someone. <laughs> so Rick isn't too pleased with this. He doesn't really want anything to do with the inmates, especially ones he believes there was a part of this plan to kill him. And the other prisoner's like, man, that was just him, man. That was like, this guy, like, we've been wanting to get rid of him for ages. He's a rogue, loose cannon. I kind of felt sorry for that sort of scrawny guy with the moustache. The white guy. Yeah. Like, he was he was just genuinely pleading all the time. He's like, I'm so sorry, I'm just trying to be oh man, please let me in the group. And the tall black guy is just like, Grow some balls, man. Like, <laughs> he wasn't gonna plead for his life. Yeah. So Rick doesn't kill them, they get sort of put into their own pile of prison yeah. and told and are told to stay away from us. But the small guy Rick ends up sort of pushing out and locking the door behind him. Because I think that guy did in the fight when Rick started fighting the with the axe, the guy who was trouble. This guy sort of seemed to be on his side. He sort of seemed to join in a bit in trying to fight Rick. Yeah, and it seemed like he was just left to be killed by Walker. You hear him screaming and Rick just closes the door and walks away. Yeah. I think here's the rule in Walking Dead. If you don't see someone die, they don't die. <laughs> Do you think that's a fair... Perhaps a lesson that the group fails to pick up on more than one occasion. Like yeah. We'll get to it in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's a good rule for TV, usually. Like, in 24, if you didn't see someone die, but just everyone thought they'd died, they usually came back <laughs> a season later, like, in a very surprising return. It seems like... Each one is surprising as the last. Yeah, yes. <laughs> So, here's your TV 101. If you don't see someone die, they probably didn't die, no matter how convinced everyone else is that they're dead. 
so after a while, it looks like the group are pretty well set up in the prison. Mm. But one day, gate is opened, and walkers just start coming in. Yep. Chaos ensues. Mm. The group gets split up. Everyone's fighting their own battles. Mm. This leads to, I think, the first casualty of the season. Mm. Because Herschel survived his bite. Yeah. They chopped off his leg and they saved him. After about half an episode, no one seems concerned about him turning into a zombie. <laughs> They're all medical experts that know, nah, he would have turned by now. Yeah. This is it. We know how the zombie thing works. Yeah. So T-Dog gets bit trying to close the gate, which I guess helps save everyone. Mm. And then after he'd already been bit, sacrifices himself a second time. So that Carol can escape, mm. and he gets ripped apart. Yeah, here's here's what I think, right? Um, I thought T-Dog might be on borrowed time, <laughs> because I think just before, at the beginning of this episode, the two prisoners that sort of left, the big black guy and the guy with the moustache you were talking about, they come up and go, hey, we want to be part of your group, okay? We're sick of being on our own. And Rick's like, well, you can't be part of our group, okay? And then, I don't know, there's a fight of a zombie and the black guy comes good, right? And yeah. he, he saves someone. I think, okay, so he's going to be part of this group now. Like, <laughs> Rick's going to let him in. <laughs> this is bad news for the uh, the other black guy in their group. I don't see him him surviving too long. There's only room for one black guy and Rick's crew. And yeah, needless to say, which we'll see yeah. at the end of the season. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that comes true again. Yes. So, um, so T Dog uh, did not survive the end of that episode. That the other black guy got absorbed into that group. So, there you go. So T Dog dies trying to save Carol, and I think the group knew that T Dog and Carol were together, and they find T Dog dead. And they just assume Carol is dead. Yeah. The end is, oh, we lost three people. It's like, you've spent so much time on this show going back for people. Like, this is a really tight group. They're a family. They're always trying to save mm. that one survivor. They spent, like, five episodes of season two looking for Sophia. Yeah. T-Dog and Carol go missing. You find T-Dog dead. Oh, Carol's dead, too. What do you mean Carol's dead, too? No, how do you not go looking for Carol? Yeah. That was just bizarre. It was very bizarre. I guess they didn't go looking for uh, Andrea at the end of season two, but there were like a million zombies. Like, like (laughs) that was that was impossible to go back for her. Really. So, yeah, that was very bizarre. And again, the rule: if you don't see (laughs) someone die, they're not dead. (laughs) But in this case, no. Wait, she wasn't dead. Yeah, she wasn't. They find her like two episodes later. Luckily, uh, Daryl found yeah. her. Yeah. You see, he's had a bit of, like, a lot of affection for... I like that. Yeah, I do they're, they're two very different people, Daryl mm. and Carol. Yeah. Even though that rhymes. Yeah, yeah. They are very different, but they seem to have developed a bit of a bond. They do a spin-off at the end of The Walking Dead. Daryl and Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and the, the, then, yeah, guess who they are? Like, then in one of the rooms with buttons and stuff, they find the prisoner that they thought had all died by zombies, they find him. And he, I don't know, it seems to me like he caused quite a bit of trouble in setting off alarms to draw zombies' attentions and things like that. I was very confused by this. I think at the end of the episode we have someone looking through the leaves of a tree spying on Carol in a field, and you're thinking, ooh, who's this? 
and then the chain gets cut and the fence gets opened and the walkers get in and you're like, oh, who's causing trouble? And then the alarms go off and they fight their way to the control room to turn the alarms off. And the small black guy that we thought was dead was not dead and gets in a fight with Rick. And the big black guy actually saves Rick. Yeah. So I think that's the point where we think, oh, we can, he's in the we fold can trust now. this yeah, guy. He's in the fold. Yeah. I think we're supposed to assume he was the one causing the trouble. Hmm. But they didn't establish that link. They were never like, why did you do this? And he's like, oh, I cut the thing because you guys left me out. Or they actually sh- have a shot of him turning the alarms on. Yeah. It was just we find him and he's killed instantly. And there's a bit of a gap there. I was still yeah. wondering, oh, why have all these eerie shots of like, ooh, someone's causing trouble and then not link the two together? Yeah, like he tries to make a bit of a play like with the other prisoner when he gets there. Like, oh, we can take back the prison. This is our prison. I... Yeah, but that's about it. Like, yeah, that's just a very sort of confusing distraction, really, about a character we didn't. We've really only got eight episodes. We don't have time to explain everything, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it looks like they've solved the problem. Rick's won this little battle, but it turns out while the chaos has been going on, Laurie has gone into labour, but something's gone wrong. She's bleeding. She needs to have the baby right away. Mm. And she has to have it by C-section. Which isn't too good. There's no anaesthetic, not much medical supplies. And that has to be done by Maggie, yeah, Herschel's daughter, and Glenn's sort of girlfriend, Mm. who doesn't really have a lot of experience. And I guess that leads to a pretty sort of emotional scene between Laurie and Carl, Mm. because he's going to watch his sort of sister be born, but his mum's dying, and then she's like... Oh, be good. Don't let the bad in this world make you bad. And the baby is born, but Laurie passes away in the birth. And then um, Carl shoots her in the head. He doesn't want his mum to turn, so he has to Mm -hmm. put a bullet in her brain. Yeah, that'd grow up a kid. Now, in the last podcast, I said I hated Laurie, and that I couldn't wait for her to get eaten. Laurie did die this season... But it wasn't really as satisfying as I'd hoped. One, because she didn't get eaten. She just sort of passed away giving birth, which is a little bit more depressing. And she hadn't really done that much. She hadn't irritated me recently. She was a little bit less annoying this season. Yeah. So I didn't enjoy her dying as much as I wanted to. Yeah. I I found Laurie annoying too. But I also saw her as a big, like, motivating factor for Rick. Like, in the show, like, sort of, that was, you know, when he found Laurie in season one, that was a big moment. And Mm. I sort of rather him have the motivation of a wife than, like, a baby. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like the baby is going to slow him down a lot more and not really add much to the show. So, hopefully the baby won't sleep with your best friend, though. So, yeah. I didn't like also her dying, giving birth, and so I just don't like the baby thing. I think get rid of the baby. <laughs> no babies. No babies. No, I don't want to watch <laughs> them raise a baby on Walking This is an dead. anti-baby yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was fairly unexpected, though. I think I thought she would survive. Did we actually season. see Laurie die on screen? Carl <laughs> uh, shot her off screen. I think this could be an exception to the rule if we didn't actually see her die. But I think we did see her breathe her last breath. So even though the marriage between Rick and Laurie hasn't been the best, Rick's pretty upset by this. 
I think fair enough. Especially, and maybe the fact that they weren't on the best terms when she died made it worse almost. To the point where Rick goes crazy. Yeah. I, what did you think of the scene where he finds out? Like, some people said that was great acting. I thought it was maybe a little over the top. Like, his, his sort of whale noises, moaning. He, he does not cry very well, Rick. I thought it was a little bit over the top for the character of Rick. Yeah. I could imagine other people being that distraught and just losing it and just being hysterical when finding out their partner died. And I think that was the point that even Rick became hysterical. But I guess I just thought Rick would not just, you know, cop it on the chin, but would be a little bit more stoic or Mm. keep it a bit inside his reaction. Okay. Mm. So then he goes for a bit of a trip of... Crybaby-itis for a full episode, just wandering the halls of the prison crying. I thought it kind of makes sense, just take your anger out on zombies. It's a bit yeah. dangerous, he just goes off on his own and just starts smashing yeah. zombies in the face. Oh, no, it makes sense. But then he takes it out on Glenn. Glenn comes to find him and help him and, I don't know, give him support, and he slams Glenn up against the wall and shoves his forearm in his neck. Yeah, it's a bit weird. What did Glenn ever do? Yeah. Other than save him from that tank in season one. <laughs> So at the end of this manic episode, or perhaps not the end, he hears a phone ring. Ring, 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 ring. Yeah, I was going to the ring. Yeah. And so you're wondering, ooh, who's this? Who's ringing the prison? Yeah. Who could be out there? What's going to happen next? Mm. And Rick seems to have this series of conversations where the people ask about him and seem to know things about him that... He's like, how do you know that? But then they hang up again, and he gets frustrated and has to wait for them to call again. Mm. This is like, there's, they see like they're from a community, a safe community, and they are, are deciding whether they'll let Rick and his crew into the community. He's putting in a pretty big plea to, just let us in, please. But this was all a waste of time. There was no phone calls. This was just Rick's imagination. Yes, it ended up being, it was like Laurie and Shane and everyone on the phone like, telling him what great a time they're having in heaven or whatever. <laughs> it was just a chance for Rick to say, I'm sorry, things were bad when you went. I wish yeah. I'd said sorry or I love you or whatever. Yeah. I feel like that might have been okay if they'd have just done one phone call and you, you just realised it was kind of because of his mental state and then it, mm. there was that twist sort of within the one phone call. Yeah. But over the course of the episode, him talking to Herschel about the phone calls having a conversation about this, having a conversation about that. I I think it was a bit too much of a tease to me. And I think especially since it was, like, the big cliffhanger at the end of the previous episode, like, oh, who's calling? And it was just sort of a dream sort of thing was a bit like, yeah, I think if they just contained it to one episode and done one or maybe two phone calls and not drawn it out, it would have been more powerful and less frustrating. Yeah. Instead, by the time you got to the twist, you're like, oh, that's so stupid. Like... (laughs) Matt loves it when things turn out not to be real. Yeah. <laughs> in shows and movies. <laughs> yeah. So I think those are the main prison stories. Other than, uh, just, just quickly, what do you think of the moustache prisoner hitting on Herschel's other daughter? <laughs> I thought this was pretty interesting. <laughs> I like this. He is talking to this girl who's 17. Yeah. And I like how he's like, how old are you, 17? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. As if that makes you take a step forward and yeah. not back. Yeah. 
And Carol pulls him aside, and he's going, oh, sorry, I haven't seen a woman in a while. Maggie's with Glenn. You know, you're a lesbian. I'm not a lesbian. He's like, but the short hair, I like, (laughs) he maintains his line of logic as to why she's a lesbian. Like, he tries to argue. It's not as, oh, okay. He's like, but you have short hair. (laughs) Then she says she's not a lesbian, and that's his cue to hit on her. Yeah. <laughs> she was definitely impressed that I was hitting on the 17-year-old. She was definitely impressed that I accused her of being a lesbian. Here's another chance to take a step forward. And what did he say to her? Interesting. <laughs> I think he said the same thing. He said, uh, his li- that's his line. That's his line. <laughs> so that's all the prison shenanigans getting up to. We have a second main location for this season of The Walking Dead. No, Noah's made a dropping the soap joke yet, although they've been in a prison for eight episodes. Does there need to be one? I don't know. Isn't that a standard thing that people like say with prison stuff? I think they're probably more concerned with walkers than getting molested by <laughs> fellow group members. Yeah, fair enough. No, it's a joke. It's not like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's going, don't drop the soap because I'll rape you. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a joke, it was a threat. Yeah, yes. With an apparently sassy Rick. (laughs) Okay, so that's all the prison stuff. Sorry about that. There's a community. Yes. Called Woodbury. Yes. Which seems by far the best place, location that we've seen in the whole series of The Walking Dead to survive the zombie apocalypse. Mm. I think they said they've got 70-something people, got a little town, big walls... There's been no walker break-ins for a long time. They've got armed sentries, guns, the patrolmen manning the walls at all times. Mm. And inside, it's sweet. They've got nice bedrooms. They've got hot water. They've got showers. They've got champagne. Yeah. This is like a paradise in mm. the zombie apocalypse world. An oasis. Mm. So Andrea, who got separated... Yeah, got left behind, really, yeah. at the farm at the end of last season. Gets picked up by Michonne. Yes, who is the hooded figure with the two zombies attached to her, whose arms and jaws have been ripped off so they can't um, bite her or scratch her. So it's sort of just this protection, because it, I don't know, carries with it a scent of zombie. and Yeah, she sort of blends in with them. Yeah, she can just wander with her samurai... Like, this, to me, seems like she needs a nickname. Like, (laughs) she's got the hood, she's got a samurai sword, she's got zombies strapped to her. Like, it seems like she's the kind of person legends are made of. Where did the hood go? I think in our last podcast, it was all the hooded, the figure, the hood, the hood, the hood. Yeah. No hood this season. Yeah, I think she had in the first episode, maybe, but, um, like, down sort of thing. But, yeah. No, I definitely... Get the hood back. Even without the hood, she's pretty badass. She's the got hooded, that samurai sword. The hooded samurai. <laughs> nah, it's not a good nickname. Submit uh, submit on the Facebook page suggestions for it, nicknames for her. <laughs> so they've survived this long just on their own, but at the start of the season, they get picked up by Merle. Ba, ba, ba. Once again, if you don't see them die, they're not dead. Yeah. Merle got left on the roof. In season one. Season one, so this is a while ago, handcuffed to the roof, and when the group goes back for him, there's just a hand there. 
But rather than being eaten by walkers, he chopped his own hand off in order to escape, and he's found this place, Woodbury. Very surprised he didn't die of blood loss. Mm. In which he's done pretty well for himself. I think he's sort of a lieutenant there. He's got quite mm. a high position within yeah. the community. And he meets up with Andrea Michonne because a chopper goes down. Yeah. They all see a chopper go down, and that's pretty exciting seeing any form of helicopter or aviation sort of thing in The Walking Dead because that could be people coming from somewhere even safer, a military, maybe the military's coming, maybe they've figured something out, how to save people, I don't know. So it goes down, everyone susses it out, and that's where they, uh, they're they able to get one of the pilots of the helicopter and Andrew and Michonne, and they're all taken back to to this Woodbury place. And Woodbury is run by someone who's nicknamed the Governor. Hello, Governor. No one says that in the show. No. <laughs> Saving that for the second part of the season. Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing a pretty good job of running the place. Everyone respects him. He's the number one guy. He's a nice guy. Like, so it would seem. Michonne doesn't like him. She thinks there's something sus. And there are a few th- weird things about him. He keeps those zombie heads in the fish tanks. He has a daughter that got turned into a zombie, and he's kind of keeping her... Yeah. ...hoping that she could be cured. Yeah. And it's kind of weird when he's playing her music and combing her hair when she's a zombie and she's trying to bite him. Yeah. This is all weird, but this doesn't make him a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I feel like you're burying the lead here. As to what might make him the bad guy. <laughs> what makes him the bad guy, Matt? Well, they get the pilot and ask him questions. Mm. The pilot tells him where all his mates are. And the governor's like, well, uh, we'll go pick them up or something. So... <laughs> Everyone has an accent. Yeah. <laughs> well, the governor does have an accent. <laughs> so... Uh, they go uh, to pick him up, and then they just, like, shoot all the soldiers. Yeah. And then, at the end of the episode, you see the governor put the head of that pilot in with the he- in with the heads of zombies. So he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's, he's, killing, bad. Yeah. he's killing people to take their supplies, basically. Yeah. He wants the, the cars and the machine guns mm. of the soldiers. This is bad. But the fact that he then puts that decapitated head in a fish tank is just more so weird than bad. Mm. It shows he's got a morbid fascination with his violence, though. It's not, like... Doesn't that mean it's not just for supplies that he's doing this, but he gets some enjoyment out of it, too? I think that the... Without explanation, Michonne's walking around with these two zombies is just as weird. If you didn't know why those zombies were there and it was actually helpful for her to blend in, you'd be like, that's sick, that's morbid... She's chopped off their arms and jaws and is just walking around like some kind of trophy. I think it's equally as weird. I don't know. I think, like, it was pretty obvious to me why she had those zombies there. Well, we're not all zombie Sherlock. (laughs) I don't know. This governor, I think, yeah. And I I think also, like, the way he carries himself, like, he sort of is too smooth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's the used car salesman of leaders. Like... He just says all the things you're meant to say. and Here's why I'm saying that there isn't really enough proof that he's a bad guy. He is a bad guy. Yeah. But Michonne is just, like, he's 
suspect. I don't like it. I've got a bad feeling. He's dodgy. I don't trust him. And she wants Andrea to leave. You need more than a gut feeling to leave a place like this. In a zombie apocalypse, a place with lots of people, lots of great food, is safe, has, is warm, is luxurious. It's almost beyond a dream. It's better than you could ever hope to find. So the fact that she finds something a bit suspicious is nowhere near enough to convince me or Andrea that they should leave. And the fact that she repeatedly argues with Andrea about this in the show, but without offering any evidence at all, other than she just has a bad feeling about it, was incredibly irritating to watch. She yeah. should have gone, look, oh, there was bullet holes in the thing, and why weren't any of the rounds missing? If they were fighting walkers, they would have shot rounds. Like, she could provide evidence and go, look, I think they stole their supplies and they killed these people. Mm. That would be a good argument. But she's so stubborn and never wants to have to explain herself. And she does the same with Rick and stuff later on. Just mm. goes, I have a bad feeling. Come with me or don't. And yeah. I'd be like, well, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think, is maybe the move for this Michonne just stay there quietly, don't cause anything to arouse suspicion, and, like, just wait. Wait, like, still be aware, still keep your eyes peeled, because, you know, she's obviously on the money that this governor guy is not a nice guy. Yeah. Um, so maybe just sometimes it's best, rather than wanting to do something now, sitting and waiting for your moment. Yeah, I would kick back, take advantage of the nice food and champagne. And Act like you're towing the line. Yeah. Maybe get close with the governor. And then slowly build up, yeah, get your evidence, build your yeah. case. Yeah, And then if you're a good enough speaker and stuff, you could even expose the governor in front of the whole community and take <laughs> over. Like, though the governor has, like, people armed to the teeth, so <laughs> maybe that's not the move. We've got this governor guy. So it seems like you quite like the governor. Well, I like what he's set up in theory. I guess my problem with the governor is I don't really understand his motivations. Like, it seems as though he's got such a good setup here. Why does he need to be doing evil things like killing soldiers and not letting anyone leave the place and then going after the guys at the prison? Like, why isn't he happy with what he's got? I don't think they explained his motivation to be a dick. Is it a paranoia that I need to keep the status quo at all costs? Anyone outside of this group is a threat to this group. Is that his view? But then he brings Andrew and Michonne in. If that was the case, then just don't bring people in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit unclear, but... um. Yeah, this governor guy, he's a bit sneaky and a bit, I don't know, he then starts sleeping with Andrea. She's, is she going to sleep with every villain in the series? She yeah. was sleeping with Shane, now she's sleeping with the governor. Is she attracted to the bad guy? Yeah, is, um, I, I just remember when they started sleeping together, I'm like, oh, by the end of this season, she's going to be regretting this. Like, <laughs> she's had a messed up, like, three years on this show. Like, she was suicidal at one point. Uh, you know, she had to kill her sister, things like that. This is not going to long-term help her mental state, a relationship with the governor, the villain of the season. Mm, no. Though I guess it hasn't completely blown up in her face yet. No. Like, she's seen the, the heads and her daughter, but I don't think she's seen proof that he's evil yet. 
I think she will by the end of the season, though. Yeah, and probably. She'll probably have some guilt about, like, boning him. <laughs> so Michonne leaves, and she's chased by Merle and some of the governor's cronies, and she kills a couple of them but gets shot by Merle. Which is probably actually evidence she's been looking for that these are not good guys. Um, the fact that the governor's like, uh, you can go whatever you want from the... Uh, Woodbury, it's only for those who really want to be here. And then as soon as she goes, he's like, okay, Merle, you need to go and now kill her. (laughs) And make sure you get her samurai sword. Without that, there's no way we can keep out the walkers. I guess you are watching the Southern telecast. Oh, (laughs) that's the, isn't that the governor's accent? remotely like his accent. I think it's a bit like his accent. So she escapes and almost bumps into Glenn and Maggie, who have gone to get some supplies, some baby formula for, uh... Oh, just quickly, just quickly. Mel, like, tries to kill her, he gets caught up with walkers, she kills all his other men and things like that, and then Mel comes up with the, uh, she's just gonna get killed by the walkers, like, she's going into the red zone, I'm just, like, it's not worth my time, not worth my effort. He's the poster child for the rule. If you don't see someone die, they don't die. Yet he's completely forgotten that. Yeah, even though I thought that was dumb, I think that scene was made worthwhile by him killing that guy yes. and going, Cachulio. Yeah. <laughs> is pretty good with his, his one-liners. Yeah. So Michonne sees Glenn and Maggie going to get these supplies, and Merle rocks up. Mm. And Glenn and Merle are like, whoa, I haven't seen you. I thought you were dead. He's like, hey, Glenn, it's me. And he asks to go see Daryl, his brother. And Glenn doesn't trust Merle. Wisely so. But unfortunately, he gets outmaneuvered and Merle ends up taking Maggie and Glenn has to give up his gun and they get taken back to Woodbury. Mm. So Michonne makes it to the prison, even though she's bleeding out, and they decide to save her. And she was frustrating as anything, just not giving them any information, saying, I didn't ask you to help me. Clearly, you walked all the way to the prison with the baby formula for a reason. Stop being so stubborn. But eventually, they realise that Glenn and Maggie have been kidnapped. Not even by Merle. They didn't even, she doesn't even say the one-handed guy. That was frustrating. Just the governor. Uh, Especially when she was there and she heard this whole conversation yeah. about, like, you know my brother! And, like, Glenn's like going, yes, we'll bring your brother to you. Like, okay, so there's someone at the prison that is brothers with this person. This is good information to pass along because you do not want to bring someone into a situation where they are not expecting to be conflicted by anything and having them then be conflicted. Like, Merle, it could come, push to shove, Merle has to kill his brother, right? Yeah. Depending on how this all goes down. He needs to be prepared for that before they put him in the situation. Yeah. But I understand why she's not giving them all this information stuff. She doesn't know if she can trust them, and she is someone who has spent a lot of time just on her own in the world, and she's not used to interacting with a group of people. I think in some ways she's the anti-governor. Like, the governor has an answer for everything. She is more the quiet assassin. Oh, that's a good nickname. <laughs> um, she doesn't give a lot away. She just lets her actions speak for themselves. 
like bringing the baby formula was probably a, a sign or something like yeah i'm not saying it's the best approach to have but i'm saying it's i think i understand where she's coming from will they get enough information to decide to hit woodbury yeah perform a raid on this place to get back glenn and maggie which is a ballsy move considering if things don't go well and they all die their group is now Herschel, Carl, Beth, Carol. Like, it's like five of the weakest people in the group. <laughs> are like, that. like, it's pretty much signing a death warrant for the whole group if this does not go well. But I like the ball. I want the ballsy moves. I don't want them to play it safe all season. So in the meantime, Glenn has been getting sort of tortured. Maggie's been getting creeped on. For these, the guys at Woodbury to find out by the governor. Where their group is. By this governor that you don't think's that bad a guy. It's a little weird. He is bad. Okay. They just didn't have enough okay. information to know he was bad. Uh, the scene with him and Maggie is very, um, very sinister. Yeah. I did like the scene where Merle chucks a walker into the room with Glenn while Glenn is taped to a chair. And he has yeah. to fight this walker while strapped to the chair. Mm. He manages to break the chair and kill the walker. That was a really good scene. Yeah. And then Glenn gets um, part of that walker, a bone from that walker, and uses it to kill someone else by stabbing him in the neck. Yeah. So the group arrives. So it's the A-team. It's Rick. It's Black Prisoner. It's uh, Daryl. It's Michonne. Yeah, which is probably your best, your core four for a raid. (laughs) And they go in, knock out some guy that wasn't really doing anything wrong, but (laughs) can't have anyone making any noise. And then they find Glenn and Maggie, and they're able to get them out using those smoke bombs and flashbangs that they got from the prison. It was very exciting. And then they try to extract them from the place, but there's a lot of dudes around, Mm. and it turns into this shootout, which I thought brought about an amazing disappearance of everyone's shooting accuracy. Before yeah. everyone was hitting walkers through the eyes from 50 metres away, now humans are standing 20 metres away with machine guns just going... And nobody hitting anything. <laughs> it's the smoke things. <laughs> it's the, they threw the smoke things down. There wasn't that much smoke. They could see there's yeah. like, oh, there's the guy behind the bench. I'll aim at the guy behind the bench. And you do think a sh- machine gun, like, you don't need accuracy because it shoots, like, what, like... 20 rounds in a second, you just like, just do it. as long as you've got the right, it's not like you're not shooting 20 metres too high, you should be able to like, hit them. Yeah. And there was a bit where Daryl was like, you guys go ahead, I'm going to cover you, and I'm like, oh, Daryl's getting left behind. Yeah. And I don't want Daryl to get left behind. No. Daryl's one of my favourite characters. Yeah, no. And Tall Black Prisoner gets shot by Shane. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Rick's just had a little another episode. Just had a vision of Shane for some reason in the middle of this shootout. Yeah, well, you were saying the other day on the phone to me you hoped Shane uh, wasn't really dead. And I said, well, you might just see him in the last <laughs> two episodes. <laughs> Even though we saw, I saw Shane get killed twice yeah. last season <laughs> as a human yeah. and again when he turned. <laughs> yeah, well, you saw him again, but it was a vision. So the black prisoner gets shot. Um, earlier, worry, he'll yeah, get replaced. <laughs> earlier that, at the very beginning of that episode, I was with a new black person discovering the prison and uh, meeting up with the gra- gang. So I knew that other one was on borrowed time as soon as that happens. <laughs> and it seems like they're all able to escape except 
Daryl, and Michonne. Michonne has not been captured, though. She has gone to the governor's room to wait for him, to kill him. Badass move. And she goes into sort of a little side room and finds the zombie heads, and she finds his daughter, who's a zombie. So, yeah, she finds heads, and she's probably thinking, weirdo, I was right about this guy. <laughs> then she opens this thing, and the zombie girl has, like, a bag on her head, so she thinks it's just a regular That was girl. so dumb. She's like, oh, little girl, I'm going to rescue you. Don't worry, it's all okay. You're like, she's got a chain around her neck. She's in a straight jacket. There's a thing over her head. Do you really think the governor's that creepy that he just keeps a little girl like that? No, clearly it's a zombie. What is wrong with you? Well, she thought the governor's a bad guy. A bad guy has little girls chained up in light vents. <laughs> she didn't think he was that kind of she bad probably, guy. She probably thought, oh man, it's a lot worse than I thought it was. He's got a little girl chained up. Well, for someone with such good intuition that she's the one person that can pick there's something bad about the governor... Her intuition was way off here. Yeah, yeah. Nearly gets herself bitten in the face by this little girl. Yeah. And then the governor comes in. It's like, please don't shoot. Please don't hurt my little girl. I will do anything. I'll give. I'll, I'll let you keep your samurai sword. <laughs> so, uh... She stabs the girl, like, right through the face. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a big laugh. You don't like babies, you don't like little girls. Like, oh, I don't I like, like zombies. <laughs> I don't like this policy of keeping zombies alive. Um, it was a real little girl, like a non-zombie little girl. I would have been horrified with her killing her. I guess if you thought there was a chance that the little girl could be brought back, you might not have wanted to kill, but you're pretty sure they can't be brought back. That guy's whole experiment failed. That was just an yeah, embarrassment for that guy. <laughs> you could t- oh, it's, how sad do you feel about scientists too? Like, it was like, oh, the, the, the hand sort of moved. No, like, I didn't feel sorry for him. I was like, get your grip, bro. How not objective are you being? And you're supposed to be a scientist. Yeah. Well, he wanted to give the work he's been doing purpose. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I'm sure all scientists want to give them work purpose. They kind of just lie to get results. So, yeah, so she stabs the girl in the face. I think, good move. You can't get zombies, <laughs> like, living in your community. Especially this guy had a pretty strict policy with anyone else that posed any threat to the community. So they get into a fight. The zombie head fish tanks get smashed, and she grabs a shard of glass and sticks him in the eye. Oh, yeah. Now, I thought this would kill him. Because the show has taught me that it's very easy to kill people by sticking things in their head. Mm. Every time a zombie came up to a fence, someone would just poke them with a pipe. And the pipe would just go all the way through their head. Now, I've never been, like, poked with a pipe. But I imagine that my skull would probably be hard enough to block it. I hope I wouldn't die that easily. Like, even if it went in my eye, that would probably mess up my eye. But I don't think it would just go right through my brain. Maybe zombies are a bit, like, quick. Well, I thought, yeah, yeah, maybe they're, they're... Bodies are rotting and they're yeah. already dead. It's weaker. It's like but no, pucky. they do it to the people as well. Oh. Whenever someone dies and they go, oh, we've got to kill them or whatever before they turn, people just stick a knife and it just goes right through the skull as well. Okay. Maybe it wasn't the sharpest glass in the world. Anyway. Yeah, I thought this guy was going to die, but not just stabbed his eye. Well, she may have thought that too, which is why she just left him like <laughs> that. Why didn't she cut off his head? Well, she was about to chop his head off with the samurai sword, but Andrea came in with the gun. Oh. Uh, and Andrea's like, what did you do? She's like, look at this guy. He's got, like, zombie heads in tanks. What looks to be a human head up there as well. And look at this little zombie girl he's been keeping. This was a creepy dude. There's still not enough 
Well, it isn't. Andrew still doesn't hate him by the end of the season. It's not enough. He explained it to her. He might be good at sex. (laughs) (laughs) She's getting some from him. Uh, I don't know if anything could live up to Shane. (laughs) (laughs) So at the very end of the season, we have... Sean got away. She joins up with the group. But they're like, where's Daryl? And we have the governor giving this speech to everyone. Because they've patched his eye up. He, he recovered pretty quickly from this. And do you see the scar on his eye? That's, that, if this guy wasn't a villain before now, they've given him like a scar on his yeah, eye. And That's like an eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely the makings of a villain now. And he gives this speech about the attack. And he says, I'm not going to say everything's going to be okay. Because I'm scared. I'm afraid. And the reason why is because it was one of our own. And then he sells out Merle. Merle, who I guess did lie about killing Michonne, but other than that, didn't wasn't actually traitorous to the governor. No. He gets sold out. He becomes the scapegoat and says, he helped the terrorists in because one of them is his brother. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and they reveal Daryl and Merle. And that's the first time they've seen each other. Since season one. Yeah. And everyone's chanting, kill, kill, kill. And it implies that there's going to be a face-off between... Merle and Daryl, like, it would be kind of cool if he goes, well, I'm going to make you fight to death. Only one of you gets to survive. Pit the brothers against each other. That would be kind of cool. But they didn't actually say what was going to happen. Everyone just chanted kill, and that was the end of the season. It's going to be interesting to see if Merle's brought into the fold with the group now that he's also probably going to be against the governor. I think it kind of makes sense for only one of Daryl or Merle to survive. But I really like both of them. Daryl, just because he's awesome and is a good guy... And Merle, because he's awesome and a good bad guy. Yeah. I'd probably rather keep Daryl than Merle. Yeah. I think, I think like, and can they do more with Merle? Like, I feel like they've told a pretty good story with Merle. So, it seems like the, uh, the governor is upping the stakes on using fear to motivate and keep his followers in line. Yeah. Like, he's now going, I'm even scared now. We need to get... Everyone together and rally as a community and not let anyone challenge me. Are you doing the speech on fear in a George Bush voice for a reason? <laughs> That's not a George W. Bush voice. Like, we gotta fight these terrorists. That's a George W. You cannot. Feel free to give your thoughts on my governor impression on Send the Facebook in your page. own governor impressions. <laughs> I don't know, if that actor dies, maybe they'll call me in to play the governor next season. <laughs> Can wear an eye patch. Yeah, let's uh, let's give the season three of The Walking Dead a verdict. That's what we do. Mm. Well, I'm a reasonable fan of The Walking Dead. I quite like the first two seasons. And I'd heard a lot of buzz about season three. Everyone kept on saying, stuff's going down in season three. The water cooler talk was at an all-time high. It sure was. And a few episodes in, I was I was digging The Walking Dead. I was like, this is pretty fast-paced. Last season, they spent a bit of time at the farm. It was a mm-hmm. little slow. Yeah. This season, stuff's always happening. People are getting bitten. Main characters are dying. They've got this new place. They've got some... They've got sort of a villain in Merle and the governor. It's going pretty well. But... But after a while, I thought some of this was actually kind of cheap, like the fake phone calls with Rick, Mm. and I started to get frustrated by a few sort of plot hole things. I didn't understand who was causing all the chaos in the prison. 
I didn't understand the governor's motivations for things. I, would, I didn't understand why Michonne refused to explain herself. And there's quite a few sort of emotional scenes that are a little bit cheesy. The dialogue in The Walking Dead hasn't always been that great. can be a little corny mm. at times. And then the end of the season, I thought there was going to be some progression. We would have built to something. But if anything, they sort of went backwards. Like, all they did was this raid to get their people back to the same place that they were before. Now, I know that's what it's like in the zombie world. Things aren't always getting better. Sometimes you have to fight just to survive. But I didn't think the stakes were upped. I didn't think anything that interesting happened in the last couple of episodes. And I guess I was a little underwhelmed for a season finale. You could argue it's a mid-season finale. You can't have the most exciting thing happen mid-season. It's got to be a season finale. But I wanted something a little more interesting to happen. So... I think if you're a fan of zombies and plot holes, this was a pretty good season because there was a lot of zombie killing. They killed a lot of zombies this season. There was a good amount of action, but there was also a lot of plot holes. Hmm. So I'm going to say I'm going to keep watching. I'm still going to follow the show, but this season was a step down. I'm going to give season three, part one, a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. um, The Walking Dead season three and a half, I guess. I, I thought it was good this season. The, I thought the, pre, the prison setup was good. The Woodbury setup was good. Although I didn't like that they just spent a whole episode on Woodbury. Uh, and I was very concerned at that point that it might be like, um, like, like I, I remember Lost, like in one of its seasons, they had half of the people in one area, half of the people in the other area, and they just took turns in each place. And it meant that like, if you had an end of episode cliffhanger, it didn't get resolved for two episodes. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So, um, fortunately they just have one episode that I don't, I don't get why you wouldn't have Rick in an episode of the walking dead. Uh, so I was worried about that, but that was just one episode and they did set it up. Okay. I thought the governor was a, is a really good villain. I may have got a bit of sick of some of his conversations with Andrea. I think a bit mm. too much focus on that relationship and not just, I think enough was said without there needing to be all that. But I thought he was a really good villain that just got worse and worse as the season went on. I thought the lorry death was a bit weird since it was through pregnancy and not by a zombie or anything. Um, I thought some of, like the phone thing was annoying. The the thing that sort of led to that zombie attack where Laurie died was sort of a bit confusing and not that didn't really fit into any big picture thing at all. It was just sort of just a very standalone episode, and it was weird for Laurie to die, just a standalone sort of thing. Mm. So I think, like, some of the things are a bit messy this season, but I generally, like, I really enjoy it. Like, the the story moved along well. I think the characters uh, went to interesting places. I think Woodbury was a great concept. I think the prison was a good concept. I think, and I love the last two episodes with the raid. I just, that was great. You had four people taking on a whole sort of, like, army, backs against the wall. They rescued people. They got out. Like, it was a really exciting scene for me, um, and I, I really loved that um, sort of Rick, Rick versus the world sort of thing. <laughs> I love Michonne. I think she's great. I know, yeah, I know you disagree. I, she's maybe my favourite character on the show. Cause, Whoa. Well, I, well, it's probably a bit of an overstatement, but she's the one I enjoy the most because, like, I think a lot of the characters in The Walking Dead can sometimes over-explain things and we just hear the bad dialogue from them. I think they tell a story with her through not speaking, which I quite like. 
My favourite's Daryl. Uh, I think I, he does I, that yeah. a little bit as well. So I see yes. what you mean. Yeah. Daryl, Michonne, and Rick are my three favourites on the show. I, I had a lot of fun with that character and things like that. So I'm going to get. I thought the Merle coming back was good. It'll be interesting to see where they go. I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10. I thought it was a really good season. Fair enough. So that's the apocalypse of our mm. Walking Dead discussion. Now on to housekeeping. Yes. Well, we've got some pretty big news in housekeeping this week. We've got a competition for the Screen Verdict listeners. Ah, uh, people love the competitions. They sure do. With the prize. What do people like more than competitions? Competitions with prizes. Yes. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be having a little bit of a Facebook fan drive mm. till the end of the year. Yes. So what we want you to do is let people know about Screen Verdict. If you're a fan. Mm-hmm. If you're not a fan, then you don't have to be a part of the competition. But if you like Screen Verdict, we want you to get some other people in on it. And the person that can add the most likes to our Facebook fan page, the person that can get the most amount of people to like Screen Verdict podcast on Facebook, will be getting a prize. And what's the prize, Matt? The prize is you will get a copy of the Pixar film of your choice. Okay? So you can choose any Pixar feature film. And uh, we'll, we'll send you a copy of that. Yes, the Pixar podcast launched the Screen Verdict podcast. Yes. And you get to pick your favourite Pixar film. Yeah. And we'll send it to you. A great thing to do to help try and complete your Pixar collection. <laughs> mm. Okay, so how are we going to monitor this competition? How, how do people claim that they've got the most people liking our page? So what we want you to do is share it with your friends, share it around however you like, and at the end of the year when we'll be tallying the number, what we want you to do is send us a message saying who you got to like the page. Yes. And so we'll be able to see all the new likes, mm-hmm. and the person who has sent us the most wins the Pixar DVD. So whoever gets the most friends to like us on Facebook sends a list of the names, and then whoever's got the biggest list gets the, the Pixar movie. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, sounds pretty... Uh, if you've got any questions about that, shoot them over. Okay. Very good. So get on it, guys. And if you don't already uh, like us on Facebook, you can count yourself as <laughs> one of the people you've got to like on Facebook. So there you go. A, a sneaky tip. <laughs> so there we go. Um, anything else in the housekeeping? Not from me. Well, I had a, I had a big party uh, last week that was a lot of fun. You came along, Jonathan. Uh, how did you find uh, my party? It was good fun to help celebrate your <laughs> birthday. Yeah, thanks. And the podcast was a big topic of discussion. People were loving the A lot of your friends yeah. had heard my voice and said, oh, I recognise you from the podcast. Made me feel like a bit of a celebrity. Yeah, you met my friend Kent. He's been a fan for a while. <laughs> Good value, Kent. Yeah, he's a big Walking Dead fan. I'm sure he's listening to this one. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that was good. And you, uh, you got me a copy of Badlands, which uh, thanks he's for that. That was a really thoughtful gift. Because I know you're a big fan of Martin Sheen. And that's sort of the one big Martin Sheen film I haven't seen. <laughs> so that was like the perfect movie to get me. So uh, very good job. It's interesting I have my party on... It's meant to be two weeks earlier, but because of other things coming up and, and things responses and stuff, I pushed it back two weeks. And it's always quite interesting when you move the date of a party because there's the people who initially say they can't make your party. Oh, I'd love to, but I just have something on that weekend. 
then when you move it, you've sort of taken their excuse away. <laughs> so sort of put, they've got to put their money where their mouth is a bit, and it's interesting to see the people who still can't come. <laughs> there was uh, one girl who, she said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it to your party. I've got another party on that night. I've got a hen's night. I've got so many things I'm juggling. I'm really sorry. So fair enough, okay, reasonable. I, th- I think it's a good rule if you're invited to a party first and say you're going to go to go, don't just wait for a better offer or, or um, cancel that one when you get a better offer. That's fine. So I saw this girl like a week before my actual party, the new date. I said, oh, you coming to my party on Friday? And she said, eh, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even offer an excuse. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she was worried if she goes, oh, actually, I uh, got this thing on. Um, uh, like, it would have been great if it wasn't. And I go, oh, well, we could do it the week after if uh, if that would be better for you. <laughs> you know what? My previous excuse got pushed back two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, it's good. You know your friends are with these sorts of things. <laughs> so there we go. I think that's a podcast. Yes, that's our Walking Dead podcast. I think next week we've got Homeland coming. Homeland. Oh, home on the rain. Popular song from the show. <laughs> yes. Why isn't that the theme song? <laughs> got Obama giving a big speech. We'll be reviewing the second half of season two. And I'll be uh, researching this week whether... Like Obama's the president yeah. of Homeland. I really want to discover that... Uh, that that bit of information. So all your homeland questions will be answered, and yep. we'll see you then. See you. Bye.